energy. Without it, you will die, and your body really knows it. It's at the foundation of the animal you, and if your machine brain can better understand it, then you can take lessons from evolution and better understand everything, including yourself. We will see how what happened 4 billion years ago can show us how to improve your social media campaign, and if you are like me, lose a little bit of weight. Firstly, however, I'd like to thank my followers on Mastodon. I had 29 when I started writing this, and I have a whole 33 now. Thank you guys, I appreciate you. It'll be a fun game to see how this number changes. It's still very early days, so I'm yet to see who will give me my first hello and mention that they like the podcast. Also, a shout out to Wavewolf and Illustep on SoundCloud. By the way, you have the most awesome icons. I'm also wondering who will be the first person to join me on Patreon. I haven't quite decided what perks I want to put on there yet, but, but I assure you being the first person on there will mean a heck of a lot to me, and I'm sure I could think of something. So we'll no doubt have some one-on-one time, if you want it. Go see theanimalinthemachine.com for links. So let's go! half billion years ago, the Earth was formed hot and hostile, possibly not in its current orbit, and there is a lot we don't know. Half a billion years later, first life formed, and that means the ancestors of all life, you and me, fungus, cats, and bananas. The laws of physics mean this life would have needed energy to be alive, and so it would have needed a power source. The main sources back then were probably geological heat, chemical, and photonics from the sun. Pure oxygen is a great chemical source, but most likely it all reacted before life came along during those first 500 million years. Just look at Mars. It's covered in oxygen, but it's all attached to iron, which is why Mars is red, it's rusty. So we think geothermal vents might well have been where life started. Like I said, we don't know. So back when life started, It was all single-cell life-forms. And they were, no doubt, everywhere, eventually. All evolving to niches as they grow and go and travel and spread. But it does hit an energy wall, and we can speculate as to what exactly it was, but we don't quite know. Maybe as cells got bigger, even more energy was needed as a baseline due to the volume increased by a cubed amount of the length. But most likely it's to do with how bacteria reproduce and eat. Bacteria grow and split and absorb nutrients via diffusion, through the cell wall. Now humans know how to manage the environment and farm, but bacteria just consume what's there and replicate by growing and dividing. What this means is that different bacteria are in competition for the limited resources of an area, and the most efficient will outproduce the other. It takes a lot of energy to do anything, so for any added complexity, you become more energy consuming. If it's a replication race, and then more advanced bacteria is consuming more energy, then that energy consumption is considered inefficient, and the more advanced bacteria are outproduced by the more simple bacteria, and then they die out and disappear. In short, the evolutionary pressure is on being more simple. 
which has certain parallels with social media, and so therefore we can work out social media campaigns, which I'll come back to. And so complexity was held up for half a billion years. So how did bacteria evolve into advanced life? Well, actually, it never did. But it is also true to say that we are part evolved from bacteria. There is more than one type of single cell organism, of which bacteria is one type. And they do share the same ancestors, but vary in build. So back when the Earth's day was about 12 hours long, or something, I haven't done the maths, and the moon was a lot closer, massive in the sky and still rotating in a way we'd notice it turn, something remarkable happened. A eukaryote, a single-celled organism with its DNA in a nucleus, somehow got a bacteria inside it. They didn't die, and neither did the bacteria. They also managed to multiply without killing each other, and they became symbiotic. This happened just once for animals, and probably less than a couple dozen times overall. So this original blending of two different single-cell organisms was the original animal. Now, the environment for the bacteria became perfect. I mean, it was inside a cell. It was protected within the cell wall in a permanent primordial soup. It only needed to perform its basic functions in order to outperform it living. In other words, all it needed was to eat food and produce energy, giving some to its host, as success is joint, and so this became its selection pressure. This bacteria lost most of its other function because it just didn't need it, and as everything takes energy, it's a drag. The bacteria became a powerhouse within ourselves, and it's now called by us our mitochondrial DNA. It's in the cell, and so it comes with the cell. It comes with the egg, and it is therefore always from our mum. Now, the eukaryote, and I hope I can pronounce that problem because I have trouble getting my mouth around it, is the nucleus, which contains the building instructions for all of us except our mitochondria. Now, these days, or should I say millenniums, the nucleus is constructed in the egg half from the father and half from the mother. But if your child has a problem with their mitochondria, they will have no energy. This is beyond serious, and why the best thing is to put the father's mitochondria in there. Except we can't yet, because we haven't got the technology. Actually, the best thing we can do is borrow an egg without the nucleus. The egg can't be from the mum, as that would be the source of the bad mitochondria, you know, logically. So, another woman's help is needed. This is the third parent child, and the donor egg does not affect the construction of the child, but does affect the energy in every cell. Now, I want to say this clearly, it would be cruel not to do this, if you can do this. So back to how all this helps with a modern social media campaign. Well, evolution is a logic process, and so it applies to everything all the time. Where bacteria has energy pressure, TikTok and clones have attention pressure. You see it with how YouTube started, with high-value content as experts such as engineers tell you how a bridge is constructed. And then you see how people's voices change to be all like, oh my god, and oh, it's gonna get me, and stuff that plugs into the animal. You see the industry pivot, and you see TikTok, and then you see it change to these really short videos. To go viral here, you need to be both informative and highly entertaining. And if you don't like all the shouty stuff, like I don't, don't blame the content creators. 
The platform can carry some blame, as they control the environment. And the rest of the blame is on us, collectively, as we've selected this, literally, with buttons and swipes. The platform made its choice on the environment, and we chose the content as a meta-organism. I'm afraid, people, this is us. So how can we continue this lesson? Well, our multicellular success came as many mitochondria pumped energy into the larger cell. So, if you were to apply this to a social media campaign, you want many TikToks feeding a wider campaign. Linking somehow like they're part of the same cell. Maybe have each one of five teams something. And then when you watch them together, you get a little secret. Let a few of them function as a single cell. So, to run a good campaign, have each micro-element be informative and entertaining, and with an additional element that pieces together with a few others. Now, if I get the time, and I'll be honest, I probably won't for a while, I'll try this and I'll let you know how it went for me. I have a question for you. Are you hungry? I am. Mmm. Yummy. Now, I shouldn't be, but I am. Our technology has evolved with continual invention to the point where a typical meal is a large part of my daily need. Together, my meals give me more than I need and snacks are so energy loaded that, to be honest, I just don't need them. The problem is not so much the food, but my hunger. As explained in episode 1, our bodies drive by evolutionary need in oldest first priority order. Energy was at the beginning and has been a selection pressure. How often do you think about if you have enough oxygen? If you do, then I'm sorry to bring this up, but most people don't feel any preemptive desire for air. Even up a high mountain, people become dangerously stupid rather than instinctively wanting to get more oxygen. No awareness of oxygen density at all. Yet, are you hungry? Don't worry, I won't eat another one. Your cells in your body demand energy. Your taste could have evolved to taste fibre. You might have had that sense of taste potassium, but you don't. What you have is a sense of sweet. When you think of a banana, you think of energy. Remember, everything takes energy, including storing and processing it. So why don't we only desire it when we need it? Well, getting it from the environment has always been hard, accounting for the trouble of sourcing it. The net energy optimum is to just store anything left over, because there might not be enough tomorrow. And the people who didn't store it died off. In fact, your whole body has evolutionary drivers to get and store energy. A key thing to remember about evolution is that every first change is an accident, but everything kept is no accident, it's selection. There is a reason why there is a delay between eating enough and feeling full. There is a reason why you want to taste sweet with your meals, which may mean you always have a pudding. There is a reason why your feet don't get bigger and your legs longer when you walk more, but your stomach grows when you fill it. There is a reason why you get hangry, to shift your sense of justice and your demand for more food at the social table. There's a reason why I'm hungry, 
And this may be helpful and relate to you, but I will say up front, this is me. So if it bears no relation to you, I apologize in advance. But if you're like me, this might help. I am hungry because my body demands more food when I don't need it. I am hungry because my animal demands food, even though my machine knows that I don't need it. This is me. I want to be leaner, but it's hard because my body rolls back down the evolutionary stages. It makes my brain feel starved until it wants to revert to a hungry animal. It wants me to feel impending doom of energy death, even though I've got plenty of fat reserves on my paunchy tummy. It takes a lot of mental effort to overrule the animal, because the animal is stronger. Your best strategies are to use the animal to defend you. Exercise is good, as the animal wouldn't want to interrupt that tree climbing for a banana with a bout of stroppy flapping. And yes, I am again describing myself. I recommend a run before lunch too, in order to extend the time I'm not eating. Also, sleep is good, it's poorly understood, but we know it keeps hormones more sane. And yes, fellas, if you're not sure you do have hormones, because we all have hormones. So what can you do? Not buying the food you scoff, so your hunting trip to the fridge leaves your animal knowing it did all it could, but unsuccessful, as opposed to having it in the fridge and your mind fighting with it, or about eating that super energy thing. The deeper you can get with the animal, the better. So maybe even procreation, yeah, as a strategy to delay eating might be an option for you. Lucky thing. You also have other appetite needs, and as long as these are open, the channel for energy is open. You also have other appetites. You can see these through your sense of taste. And as long as these have needs, then the channel for energy is also open. Protein is a current major issue. You need a certain level of protein, which for a lot of people comes from animals via fat. Fat is, however, less desired, and so it's become economically less valuable which also means it becomes cheaper. Now what this means is that to food engineers, what they need to do is produce a fat stick that tastes like a protein stick, which is of course what they do. To your body, it tastes yummy, and I'm sorry, veggies and vegans, probably doesn't to you. But anyway, I'll carry on. As you eat it, your brain is told it's fulfilling its protein need. But when it stock checks afterwards, it still sees it needs more protein. And what happens then is 10 minutes later you go and eat another one. And what does your body think about all the fat that it's getting with it? It thinks it's great. More energy, yes please, store that. So you need to fight the desire to eat. You should try the strategy of reducing the pull to food and help with the push away from food. Don't buy high energy food that you want to scoff. Make sure you read the backs of packets and you might learn things you were not expecting. Like orange juice is just a sugar-based energy drink. Do you really need that with breakfast? Maybe, I mean, I really need coffee. I also don't buy interesting cheese, and that I do enjoy. It's not a real problem in my life. So buy better food if you can. And also, healthy bars are not necessarily so healthy. Most might be great for vitamins and minerals and other such stuff, but actually they're mostly just high sugar and on the balance aren't healthy. So be careful. And at this point, I think it was said that most people chronically undervalue nutritionists. They don't appreciate that cheap food has cheap contents. 
which incidentally means, of course, it's harder for the poor. Everything is harder for the poor. Also, if you want to be a better human being in general, don't fat shame. Just don't. Don't compliment people on losing weight unless they ask for it. Don't tell them they put weight on. I mean, the whole subject is just loaded. Just avoid it. Ignore it. You know, compliment on having a great pair of sunglasses. You can do better, guys. I have faith in you. So, even looking at this small snapshot of part of the whole energy thing has allowed evolution to tell us how to run a social media campaign. And if you are, like me, how to help yourself be thinner. Be the thinner you that you want to be. And I think at this point, I just want to thank you for listening.